Hello and welcome to the Modern Wellbeing Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wrights. Join me for solo episodes and interviews with thought leaders and entrepreneurs from around the globe who are breaking the barriers in health, plant-based living, soulful business and getting back to nature. If you're ready to learn, expand your mind and be inspired, then you've come to the right place. I'm so excited to have you here, so let's get on with the show. This is episode six with celebrity vegan chef, Leslie Durso. Leslie Durso has had an impressive career as a model, actress, host, and as a vegan chef and healthy living educator. After honing her skills by training across the globe, Leslie established herself as a private chef for the New York and Hollywood elite, and has since appeared on the Food Network, the Discovery Channel, Everyday Health, and has written for CNN, Glamour, and dozens more. She works as a consulting chef for hotels, resorts and restaurants around the world and is currently the vegan chef at the Four Seasons Resort Punta Mita, Mexico and the Four Seasons Resort The Biltmore Santa Barbara. Hi Leslie, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, yes, and since then I've also added the Sundance Resort in Utah to that list. Amazing. I don't know how you do it all. I think you're incredible. I followed your work for a while and um, yeah, you're just a ray of sunshine in this space. Oh, you're so sweet to say that. You're so sweet to say that. Can you tell us where you're calling in from today? Yes, I am in my home in Los Angeles, where I've been for a year. (laughs) I don't know, we were just saying before we started recording, how has it been and kind of what's it like there at the moment? And, you know, my favorite part about the lockdown was honestly that it got people in the kitchens cooking. Um, because I think so many people rely on restaurants and takeout and supermarket food and fast food um, in their diets. And so I think collectively as as an entire globe of people that were locked in their houses, uh, that it was a beautiful thing that we returned to cooking and learning how to cook and knowing what's going in our food. And I had so many people reach out to me and say, I eat meat, but I can't, I can't bring myself to cook it. So what do I make without meat? And I, it just made me so happy. And it's been really lovely to connect with people. Um, as you sh- I'm sure know, I was doing a bunch of Instagram live cooking tutorials with people and just really having fun with it um, and getting people to enjoy cooking. Um, so that part of it was beautiful. The rest of it, not so beautiful, but... <laughs> It's so good though. I think you're so right. And it's, it's amazing. I, as I said before, I tried out your vegan nachos and the chorizo. Oh my goodness. If anyone listening to this wants to try out some crazy good recipes that are actually, they don't include really weird ingredients and they're not really difficult. You make it so easy, but go to the YouTube channel because um, yeah, that was delicious. Thank you. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. And that is really a passion of mine is to make whole food, vegan food. So to make things that are going to appeal to anybody that are going to be easy, that are ingredients that you probably already have and have already tried before, Um, you know, sprinkled in, I like to use some interesting um, plants and and fruits um, and vegetables, but uh, in general, as a whole, I like to make very recognizable food yeah i will hopefully share your cheese sauce at some point later on in this um recording because that was just a game changer for me oh yeah and <laughs> so, um, can you tell us a bit about your journey to becoming a vegan chef and just a bit about your career background because i know you've had a very 
eclectic career. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, I'm kind of the poster child for you can change your career <laughs> anytime you want. Um, but I really truly believe that. I mean, life is this beautiful journey and the idea of getting locked into any one thing um, just drives me a little crazy thinking about. But to give you a brief overhaul, if you don't know me, I grew up in California in San Diego, born and raised, which is about two hours south of here in Los Angeles, where I live now. And I stopped eating meat when I was seven years old in a big giant Italian family. Uh, it wasn't the most popular decision, but uh, we got through it. And I was just always in the kitchen. It was always something that interests me. I loved making food. I was always curious about food. And then um, I started working as a model, worked all over the place, worked in London quite a bit, had big ad campaigns for, I don't even know if he's still around, but Trevor Sorby, the, the hair. Uh, yeah, I had tons of ad campaigns with him back in the day. And then uh, I became an actor and I, I worked here um, in the US on soap operas. And I, I co-hosted a show with Bill Nye, the science guy. Do you guys have him over there? No, but I watched a couple of clips because I did, I've heard about that and it's amazing. You're yeah, a, he's you're great. Amazing. And so it's a science show that are, are shown in the schools here in the US, but it also is just a quite popular kind of cult classic um, concept. And so I played his little lab assistant on the show. And then after that ended, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to go into food. And so I traveled the world, became a chef, trained all over the place. And, um, and here I am today. <laughs> I feel like you say that so casually, like, oh, I just decided to travel over the world and become a chef. It's incredible. Well, when I decided to become a chef um, 10 years ago, almost actually exactly, um, there was no vegan culinary school. And I wasn't going to go to regular culinary school because I just didn't think that I could bring myself to cooking animals like that. And so I said, all right, well, I'm not going to let that stop me. So how do I become a vegan chef? And all the vegan chefs of that time were really using this old school techniques from like the seventies and using lots of nuts and seeds and like vegan food wasn't that amazing, even just 10, 15 years ago. And so instead I, I travel a lot. I love traveling. It's always been a huge passion of mine. And so I in living in Los Angeles, which like London is a major melting pot of cultures and cuisines. And so I just started learning and I started coining the term accidentally vegan and finding accidentally vegan foods within all of these cultures. So you can go to Southeast Asia and go to Thailand and eat all of these foods that are just happen to be vegan, but no one thinks of them as vegan. Um, you can go to, to Europe and you can eat falafel. Falafel is vegan. How many people eat falafel every single day without even clocking that they're having a vegan meal? Same in Italy, same in South America, same all over the places that I was visiting. And so I started taking internships with restaurants that I admired, not vegan restaurants, um, but just to learn ingredients, techniques, um, sauces, just different food theories. And I started piecing it all together on how I could make these dishes just out of plants. And um, that's that was my education. And I still continue to learn. I mean, it's a never ending process. Every time I travel somewhere new, I'm always in the kitchen. Um, before we hit record, I was mentioning that last year I had gone to South Africa in January before the world stopped. Uh, and even down there, I was really just on holiday to see 
to go on safari and I met the most incredible chefs and ended up spending a bunch of time in the kitchens with them and just teaching each other. And it was such a beautiful experience. And it's just, it's something that I try and do everywhere I go. That's amazing. I think food is such a wonderful way to connect with people. Oh, it's the ultimate communicator. Absolutely. You don't even have to speak the same language, but you can cook in the kitchen together and share a meal and have that beautiful experience without understanding a single word the other is saying. That is beautiful. What What's your favorite? Well, if you've got one favorite country where you trained, um, what would it be? Oh, that's so tough to pick one. I'd say, um, well, it's I, I'm, I'm partial to Italy because I am Italian and I spend a lot of time in Italy every year. And I just, I love what food represents there. And the produce is like nothing else in the rest of the world. And close second behind that is Mexico. Cause I just, I'm obsessed with Mexican cuisine. I oh, know. I think I heard somewhere that um, the hotel that you're working with at the moment, the Four Seasons at Punta Mita, that there's over a hundred op- vegan options. Over 200 vegan options at the hotel. Crazy. How is that over 200? Like, that's just insane. And so it's just making me want to go. I'm booking my flight. <laughs> come, come, come. Yeah, the borders are open to Mexico. Punta Mita, you fly into Puerto Vallarta, and then it's about a 40 minute drive and it truly is paradise there's no word that describes the four seasons punta mita better than paradise um and yeah it just it started with a small menu and then it just gained so much popularity and people just loved it and were eating it and ordering it and so it just grew and grew and grew and grew and now i mean we're the goal is to be the the most a vegan friendly resort in the world. Um, and I think we a hundred percent are that it's a five-star property. It's absolutely perfect. We can accommodate any diet imaginable and, um, and everything is already on the menu. So you're never going to feel like a second class citizen where you sit down and you're like, okay, like what can you make me to eat? I've been to places where it's like, okay, great. Can I just have a side of beans and a side of rice and some guacamole and not here? You can literally spend months there and never eat the same vegan item twice. Wow. That's, that's just sounds incredible. I'm so excited. I want to visit like now. <laughs> I need to try all these. I know the sunshine in the beach sounds pretty amazing right now, right? <laughs> it really does. I know. And I can't believe on your Twitter yesterday, it was like, did you say hailing? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We have hail in Los Angeles. I mean, that is not something that happens on a regular basis. Although when we started this call, it was pouring rain outside and now the clouds have parted and the sun is back out. So in true Los Angeles fashion. Oh my goodness. Okay. That's good. We have together. <laughs> and you're living, are you living on the beach, Leslie? So can you go I out am. on the beach? Yeah. I am. I'm very spoiled. Nice. No, that's well, that's world. I work my I work my tail off to to get this place. You sure did. I mean, it's absolutely crazy how much you've done. And I know you mentioned that. So you go to Italy every year. Is for me, and I know a lot of people. People think of pizza and cheese and sort of egg pasta about Italy. Is it quite easy to find plant based dishes because Europe typically is very sort of meat and cheese heavy? Yes, Italy is incredibly easy, especially the further south that you go. Um, First of all, when it comes to pizza, 
every single pizzeria in Italy has a pizza marinara because pizza marinara was the first pizza ever created. The first pizza didn't have cheese on it. And so you can get a beautiful pizza with just the tomato sauce, the garlic, the oregano, the olive oil, and you can do it alone or most places you can put fresh arugula on top of it, or they'll, they'll have some sort of wild mushrooms that you can do on it. And you just do it sans cheese. Um, and then as far as the pastas, so many of the regions don't put eggs in their pasta simply because they don't have chickens in a lot of regions in Italy. Um, and so the, again, the further south you go, the less butter is used, the more olive oil is used, um, the more fresh produce is celebrated. Um, it's really the north where there are heavier sauces, creams of that nature. But again, there are beautiful vegan restaurants um, in the North, you just kind of have to look for them. But the South is like, it's a no brainer. You can sit down at any restaurant and order vegan food so easily. Amazing. That's so interesting. I think that there's so many stereotypes put around these countries. And I love that on your website as well, that you have the travel section where you've got all of the breakdown of um, all of the different countries you've been to. Well, it's not even all the countries I've been to, because I really don't like people that visit one place and think they're an expert at it. And they're like, oh, this is what to do when you're in this city. The cities that are listed on my website are cities that I go to very frequently. And that those restaurants that are listed that I recommend are places that my friends own. They're places that are just my absolute favorite that I go all the time. And so it, they really are true recommendations where you could walk into those places and say, you know, Leslie Durso sent me and they'll know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, because I hate, you know, somebody has a layover somewhere and they think that they're an expert on that city. <laughs> it's just right. drives me a little crazy. Yeah, it's important to mention. I mean, there's so many blogs out there nowadays. So I think that it's good um, and a reliable source is always good. Yeah, and anyone can just list the vegan restaurants in a city. And so instead of that, the, the restaurants that I list, some of them are vegan, but some of them are not. But they're places that I've had exceptional vegan meals. And I list the dishes that I had and how I made them. And I always recommend to call ahead um, if you do not see anything on their seasonal menu. But um, yeah, I just, I think it's important to kind of normalize eating vegan food in a regular restaurant. Okay, amazing. I know that you have been vegan. Did you, did you turn vegetarian since you were about seven or eight years old? Was it seven or eight years old? Well, I always say went vegan-ish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't drink milk and I didn't eat eggs, but you know, I wasn't reading labels. My parents just tried to sneak it. They were like, no, ice cream, that, that's, that's comes from, plants. That's not dairy. Just they, they tried to make it as easy as possible. So as I got older and I knew better, I did better. So I don't have like a, this is the day I went vegan because it was really just um, eliminating things as I realized that they were in things and really reading labels instead of just eating. I can tell that you're so passionate about sharing your knowledge and especially working in this space. What is it? Is it the health benefits or is it the environment? What What is your driving force behind all of it? Honestly, it's really everything. When I stopped eating meat when I was seven, it was truly because I didn't like the taste of it. I, there was something that I just felt wasn't right about eating meat. It didn't sit well with me. I think I was also lactose intolerant because I would not feel good anytime that I had milk. Um, and that's so common that I'm sure it was true um, as my siblings are also lactose intolerant. But um, 
Yeah, even from an early age, that's what it was. But then as I became an adult, I really have stayed vegan for all of the reasons. It is the animal welfare. It is the health benefits. It is the environment. It is all of those things. Um, and so it's great that if you can pick one of those things and make it your, your passion. Um, but I think the longer that you spend being plant-based, the more all three of those things really factor into your decision. And in terms of all of the training that you've done, how is it prevalent when you go to these different countries? Because you've had such a different training compared to someone that has been to a chef school or a vegan chef school that they are popping up now. What would you say are the benefits of actually getting in the thick of different countries and learning that way? Well, it's full immersion and you just, you learn so much more. It's like learning a language. What's the best way to learn a language is to go to the country and just drop yourself in the center of it. And so same, it's going to the markets. It's walking through grocery stores and seeing what people are eating. Actually, when I was just in, even in London um, last year, I just, I love going to the grocery stores. I just walk around, I see what you guys are doing. I see the different things that are that are popular. I see what produce um, is popular in, in your city. And, and it, it just gives me kind of guidelines to, to work with and see, you know, what's accessible. And same, I don't know, when you go to another country, there's just something so beautiful about not just going to the restaurants, but meeting the people and eating in people's homes and learning the recipes that have been passed down through their family. I know that has been a beautiful experience when I've been in Peru is meeting a lot of locals and um, having these relationships and true friendships um, and allowing um, them, allowing me into their homes and meeting their family. And that kind of, there's no, restaurants are beautiful. Restaurants are amazing, but it's hard for a restaurant to recreate that family passion of dining and celebrating around a table. And so what I like to try and bring to the restaurants that I work with is that feeling. So my food where they are at very high end restaurants um, and all over the world, it's still very familiar food. It's food that is made with love. It's food that's made with tradition. Um, you know, at the Four Seasons in Santa Barbara, we do my family's fresh lasagna. So it's, it's fresh lasagna noodles and it's five different kinds of sauces. It's all layered together. It takes about four and a half hours from start to finish to put it together but you feel the love when you eat it because the detail in it is so beautiful. And at the end of the day, it's a piece of lasagna on a plate, but so visually it, it's not as striking as one of these modern dishes. It's got the dots and the smears and the 18 different sauces on a plate, but you, it's, it's a totally different emotion that it evokes where you can have this very labor intense family oriented meal, but, the satisfaction that you can get from it is what I'm craving. It's that feeling. I want people to eat my food and eat vegan food and say, wow, like I feel good. I feel full. I feel satisfied. I feel like someone just gave me a giant hug. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm so, I'm like really hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I wish I was there to send you something. I know. You need to like post it and no, don't do that. It'll be awful after it. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it would take quite a while to get there. It was so funny. I got, uh, I sent a birthday card to a friend of mine during quarantine in Australia, and it took six months for the card to get there. Six months. Oh my goodness. 
months. I was like, wow, I'm glad I didn't put cookies in there with it. <laughs> That's crazy. I actually ordered him, my friend, a birthday card in New Zealand a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't mentioned anything. So birthday's passed, but she hasn't mentioned that she's received. She probably hasn't gotten it. I know. I'm a bit worried now. I might message her after this. <laughs> I know. We're going to have to start sending digital cards. Oh, no, but no. I well, don't you just love going to your your post box and opening the mail and there being a personal letter there? I just, it's such a special feeling. As you can tell, I'm a little sappy and I'm all about creating these special moments. And I think there's such a beautiful art to sending people actual cards and letters. I, I think that's what I love about the work you do, Leslie. It's really about the human aspect. And I think that it's so easy to kind of sit behind a screen and and but you really make an effort to go out there and meet these people and create this connection that I do think we're we've lost. I think we've lost a connection with food. We don't know where our food's coming from. And you're the only person I've come across that's really going, delving into these kind of blue zone areas around the world, finding how they cook the food and eat as communities and then communicating that through your work, which is amazing. Wow. Thank you. Yes. And it, 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 that really is, that's it. That's my passion. You just nailed it. So I'm glad that I'm communicating that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're all human. And the second that we start putting people on pedestals and sort of separating them, it becomes unachievable for us. And I am all about empowering people to find their success and to find their optimal level through health, through happiness, through work, however I can be of service to help you gain um, success in any of those areas, I am more than happy to do because lifting other people up only fills your cup more. Uh, and so creating a community for me is so much more important then yes, I mean, I've won a zillion awards. Like I, I, I've done it. I could sit here, you know, I could have done this interview in my chef coat and been like, yes, I'm a very professional chef and these are all the things that I've done. But that doesn't, that doesn't strike, that doesn't excite me. What excites me really is the human connection. It really is, especially, you know, during this pandemic, I think it's equalized all of us and that, you know, we're all just sitting at home. There were so many celebrities doing fun content you know, being stuck in their houses with their kids and having to, to homeschool their kids and how do they put dinner on the table and, you know, not being very glamorous. And I think it's great. I think it's beautiful because so many people have just been put up in these boxes of perfection and to have that come down is, is just beautiful. I think it really is connecting people in ways that we never thought were going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about that aspect of it. Yeah, I think it will carry on. Well, I hope it will carry on. And I think that people have realized what's actually important. I know a lot of people are really worried about their health and things like that and focusing on it. Have you seen a rise in the demand for plant-based food? Absolutely, absolutely. And COVID, you know, I mean, not to get too political about it because I do really believe in COVID. I believe it's a real thing. I believe that it's a horrible disease. It's killing a lot of people. But if you go back to, I mean, this is a zoonotic disease, whether that it was lab created or naturally created, this disease came from a human eating an animal. And that has really been pushed down in the media um, for a lot of good reason, because there are a lot of zoonotic diseases out there. I mean, as you're from England, I mean, the mad cow disease was one of the worst 
things that ever happened to your country. So if you really take a look at what is happening here and the dangers um, of species to species um, disease transfer is terrifying. But then also the governments, at least here in the US, have been so focused on vaccinate, vaccinate, stay inside, mass, all this stuff, which is great. But nobody is addressing the fact that this is a virus that attacks your body. And if you build your, if you focus on building your immune system, you're far more likely to be able to get it and survive. Um, they're showing that the most of the people that are dying from it have weakened immune systems that have predisposed um, conditions. But if we focus on building our health and creating a strong immune system and really being able to attack and fight off diseases and bacteria when we come in contact with them, um, we'll thrive and we'll survive so much better. So I, I hope and I think the conversation has sort of shifted that way and people are really looking at what they're eating, but I hope so even more. I mean, there's so many things that we can do in our day-to-day -day lives to improve our immune system, simply from eating whole real foods, foods that are high in vitamins and minerals, um, things that are gonna improve our way of life. Um, that it's like, it's, it's a strong action that you can take to protecting yourself against this disease without having to do a whole lot, without having to get a shot, without having to rely on a doctor. I mean, everybody can do this. And so I really hope that that has been inspired in people. And I hope that that's a message that I can send to your listeners right now is that start today eat more vitamins uh, and eat them through food. Um, you know, there's, there are statistics that you only absorb about 25% of the vitamin nutrients that you, um, when you take an actual vitamin tablet. And so to eat those foods, how they were created in nature um, and to eat those vitamins is so much more important. Um, and as somebody that's plant-based, you know, it's also easy to fall into the, the easy vegan food, the vegan junk food. The, there's so many things now that are being made that are plant-based, but are not necessarily that healthy for you. I mean, I always say French fries are vegan, um, you know, chips, chips are vegan, uh, but to stay away from those and to eat whole real foods. And I try and eat something that's every color of the rainbow every single day. I try and make sure that I'm getting those vitamins from all of those things every single day. And it's important. And it's important to learn how your body works. Um, it's terrifying to me that we're not taught that in school. I mean, literally without our bodies, we wouldn't exist. None of the things we want to accomplish in life would be possible without this human form that we have taken. So the fact that we are not taught how this works and how to make it function is mind blowing to me. So it's up to all of you out there and myself to take responsibility for ourselves and take responsibility for our health, to figure out how it works, to figure out how to take care of it best to actually then implement that and take care of it. That's on you. And I think at least in the US, we're such an outward society where we're looking to the media to tell us what to eat. We're looking to um, our doctor to tell us how to, to be healthy. We're looking at all of these other people when in fact, the answers are already inside of us. When you eat something, you know if it makes you feel good or if it makes you feel bad. And if you focus on those foods that are going to help you fuel your body and make you feel great, you can get to this next level of health that most people don't even know exists. Most people walk through life 
tired, getting stomach aches, skin conditions, acne, thinning hair, um, brittle nails, and they just think that that's part of who they are. And it's not. Almost all of those things are direct result of what you're eating. And so to take responsibility of looking at that and saying, okay, how can I change what I'm eating to feel better? Um, it's so easy. And so that's a lot of the work that I am passionate about doing is providing recipes that are not only going to make you think that this is a delicious meal and satisfy your stomach, but to make you better. I mean, to really empower you to feel better as a person, you know, there's that saying, never trust, never trust a skinny chef. And I think that's the biggest set of bollocks ever, because why would you ever trust an overweight fat chef? What are they eating? What are they preparing for you? That do you, it's like, do you want to, is that your goal is to look like that? Or is it your goal to be fit and to feel good and to feel vibrant and healthy? I would only eat food from chefs that look fantastic. Yeah. Sorry, that was a bit of a rant. <laughs> no, it's really good though, but it's so true. But I just from my work where um working in restaurants, there's it seems like such a demanding and quite a stressful job being a chef. How do you manage so such a busy sort of job and what do you do day to day? How do you manage and kind of for people that do have busy jobs in general. Absolutely. Well, eating, um, eating for stress and really calming your body down. I mean, everybody can, especially during this pandemic, I mean, the stress levels have been insane, but using habits and um, food to calm yourself down and to, you, that's when you need nutrition even more so is when you're highly stressed. Um, and so it is also a way of life. You know, people always say like, oh, like what are the successful people doing? What are their habits and routines so that they're successful? I'm going to do the same thing. It doesn't always work that way. Like Oprah is very notorious for all of her habits and her rituals, but they might not work for me and for my lifestyle. And so it's really about finding how to calm yourself down. Um, personally, I love meditation. I do it every single day. I've been doing it since I was 14 years old. Um, it really, really helps me. Also, not having caffeine has been a big one for me. I love coffee. I used to drink way too much of it. And I stopped about 15 years ago. And I have never felt better because I'm letting my body's natural rhythm um, just kind of kind of sing and go on its own. Where with caffeine and with sugar and with alcohol and, and prescription drugs and stimulants, we're changing our body's natural rhythm. But if we can kind of like take all of that off the table, I also try and stay away from processed sugars and really just get back to zero. And then, I mean, obviously there's always going to be people that have issues that do definitely need medical care and please nobody out there stop taking your, your medication without consulting your doctor. But there is something to really be said about just leveling off and getting to zero and then building from there and letting your body's natural rhythm, listening to it and feeling it and sinking into it. Now that doesn't mean that I don't, I like love a glass of wine or a, a little bit of tequila when I'm in Mexico, but it's not part of my daily routine. It's not something that I do on a regular basis. Same with sugar. I love chocolate cake. It's one of my favorite things on earth, 
but I also really hate bad chocolate cake. So I save my intake of chocolate cake for those times that it's gonna be amazing and I'm gonna savor it and I'm gonna love it. And I don't even bother with the rest of it because when you're buying that piece of chocolate cake, from a grocery store or ordering it at a restaurant that it just only looks average and it's only going to be average. It's like, why bother? Um, and so finding your body's natural rhythm and, and kind of going with that, um, is a, is a beautiful thing. And it also really helps your sleep, which in turn helps your stress levels. I mean, before when I was drinking caffeine, I would toss and turn every single night. I would have the hardest time waking up in the morning. I'd have to press snooze on my alarm clock three or four times. And me without caffeine, I'm asleep before my head hits the pillow. And then I don't even set an alarm. I mentally in my head say, you wake up at 5 a.m. tomorrow and I just wake up. Um, and so when you're really that in tuned with your body, it's amazing um, the things that you can do with it. Now that's what works for me. Again, you might be somebody that functions beautifully on caffeine and it doesn't affect you at all, but you don't really know that until you stop and you get back to that zero and then you can add it back in or not. It's so incredible to hear that you've been meditating for that long. It's, <laughs> it's good. What, what kind of meditation do you like to, and I know this isn't a recommendation for everyone, but you personally, what? what yeah. I mean, I care. I, I recommend that people kind of feel out all of the different kinds of meditations because there's lots of different kinds of them and finding what works for them. But for me, my meditation can be anything. It can be, um, I, I have a, a special like meditation section of my house where I go and I sit and I just quiet my mind and I kind of let it go wherever it needs to go. If it's going to be TM, it's going to be TM. If I, I have, I'm a big fan of, there's a, a, an artist named Murray Hidari who is on my Instagram. If you, um, if you go to there, you can see that I'm following him. He's a concert pianist here in Los Angeles, and he does um, piano meditations that are just gorgeous. So sometimes I meditate in silence. Sometimes I meditate with his. Sometimes um, I've had the honor of meeting Deepak Chopra, and he does a lot of spoken meditations. And so it really is just finding what works for you and not putting pressure on yourself. There's so many people that I know that are like, uh, I just can't meditate. I just can't get to that place. It's not about that. It's about going to a quiet place, closing your eyes and just being there with your thoughts. It's not about not thinking about anything. It's about acknowledging all the things and the thoughts that you're having and just kind of letting them go and softening your mind. And you can do that for five minutes. You can do that for three hours. It's such a personal experience and mind changes every single day. I would, uh, there's a monk and I'm forgetting who his name right now, but he said, all you need to meditate is five breaths. It's closing, it's having a moment, focusing on your breath for five breaths in and five breaths out. And that can change your world. And it's so true. So I really hate that there's pressure to be this perfect meditator um, when it's really just finding what works for you. And again, if you're just starting and you've never meditated before, try the five breaths, go outside, put your face to the sun or in London where the sun should be, and just take five, put your shoulders back and take five deep breaths in and out. And you'll see how 
different you feel. It really is amazing. It's such a simple, simple thing. Um, so I would start there. And then if that works for a while, like get into it a little bit more, maybe sit down, you know, maybe go into a lotus position, see if you can really get your thoughts a little bit more quiet, but just starting with some breath. Same with veganism. You don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to, there is nobody grading you on this. You just start with one meal, start with one forkful um, and just go from there. I think that that's brilliant. It's so good that you break it down. And I think that meditation can be something like cooking even. Do you ever find yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, there's walking meditation. There's, there's definitely a level to meditation in the kitchen. Um, de depends on how it works for you. And that's it. I always say like all of our, we have there, how many people are on the planet? Literally billions and millions, billions. I don't even know how many billion, but every single one of us has a unique individual DNA system to our bodies. Therefore, every single one of our bodies is different. And so to umbrella tell anybody that this is the way to do something is totally crazy. You have to take responsibility and find your way of doing it and find your voice in it and finding your style of cooking. My recipes are just suggestions. These are things that I like how this goes. You should try it. But I always encourage people to tweak them and change them and make them their own because your, your taste are, might not be my taste. And so I think if you just kind of change your mindset on that, all of life will kind of fall into place in a different way. That's incredible. I think diet culture, especially these days, um, it's very much, you must do this. You must have this many calories. You must eat this. You must. And I think that people are kind of losing connections with their own bodies and their own minds. They're not thinking for themselves anymore. So it's incredible that you offer that kind of non-preachy approach through your work, which is brilliant. Um, in terms of plant-based food, how is how do you best promote it? And do you, how have you found it change people's health when you're working one-on-one -on -one and with hotels? Well, I, I mean, the difference that I've seen with people's health journeys is just remarkable. It, it's taking very sick people and letting them have their life again and freeing them from their illnesses and having them reconnect with their bodies. And it's amazing when you start taking responsibility for your body and your diet and your health, how you're mind changes and you start taking control of your mind as well. Um, it's such a beautiful transition. So on a personal one-on-one -on -one level, I've seen so many people just have these incredible breakthroughs and transitions and just really change the way that they live. And also when you go plant-based, you start connecting where your food comes from um, into your body. And again, to go back to like your health and how your body works. But when you start thinking about where your food comes from and how it's made and how it's produced and kind of the ethical choices that you're making in your food, whether it be being buying factory farmed animal products or even buying plants that are, that have been grown with pesticides and herbicides and um, really kind of taking that conscious decision um, as to what to put in your body your mind will change and the way that you feel about the world will change. And once you kind of wake up those senses, you can't really close them off again. Um, and then, sorry, the first part of your question, I'm forgetting what it was. So if I could come to me. <laughs> no, just more about, I suppose, yeah, your experience of what it's been like promoting a plant-based. Oh yeah. Promoting it. I, the best way to promote a plant-based lifestyle is to cook for people hands down. People don't know what to eat. 
they get freaked out by it. They think vegan food is disgusting and all we eat is like seitan and, and, and tofu, which I happen to love tofu, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just cooking for them. And I always say like, don't even mention veganism, just cook them a plant-based meal. Have, I mean, when the, when this all ends, have people over and cook for them go, or even today, like go into a park, have a picnic with people. They'll naturally start asking you about things when you can cook something that's delicious. What's the first people per time. The first thing someone says when they taste something delicious, that's homemade is, can I get this recipe? And so there you go. I mean, that, that's how it starts. And you put the little plant in people's head, you plant that little seed and, and it just goes from there. Um, but I always, personally, I like when I cook for the people that still eat animal products in my life, I just do it through, um, um, through example. I just lead by example. I think that's such a better way to convince people. It's a longer way of doing it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you'll get people that will stay your friends um, because nobody wants to be preached to. Nobody wants to be told they're wrong in life about anything. And so I think in the food world, you know, people, especially new vegans that get so excited because they feel so good, um, wanna just tell everybody about it. And that's great, but it also, you know, can alienate some people. And the same thing happens with people that find religion or they find, you know, the next best thing or like the fashion piece that they love, whatever somebody gets passionate and excited about something, they want to share it with everybody. So naturally like that excitement is great, but when it comes to food, it's such a personal decision. I think that leading by example um, is really the best way. People will see it. They'll notice that you look better, that your skin looks clear, your hair looks healthy. They'll notice and they'll ask what you're doing. They'll ask how to do it. They'll ask for that recipe. And so that's kind of always been my philosophy, but everyone again needs to find what they believe in. Um, I don't think it's wrong that there are people out there protesting, that are people out there really on the forefront of pushing for animal rights. Um, is something that I believe very strongly in, but it's just not the approach that I'm taking. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you. Maybe it's lack of education as well. If someone hears this and then actually doesn't know how to implement a vegan diet or even try to cook plant-based if they've sort of had eggs for breakfast every day and then maybe a ham sandwich for lunch or and then steak for dinner, what would you say is the easiest thing that people can do to bring in a plant-based diet just gradually? Absolutely. So I always say to start with your favorite food. So what's your favorite food and how can we make it familiar and veganize it? What's your favorite thing to make? So, you know, there's so many, like I was talking about cultural foods that are accidentally vegan. And so also if you stick with those, um, at the beginning, it can make the transition much easier because not everybody is going to want, you know, if most people know how to make five to seven meals that they make all the time. And that's, those are their staples and they might sprinkle in some new things and sprinkle in some restaurants. Um, but for the most part, there's five to seven things that people live off of. So we can take one of those favorite things and just switch it up just throw out some substitutions that will, that will help veganize that meal. Um, it might just be taking the dairy out of the sauce. It might just be like a small little tweak that you can do to make your favorite meal now plant-based. And so starting there kind of makes it easy and familiar for people. 
But then again, look to the cultures that have so many vegan options already. Um, you know, look to Italian food and do beautiful, you know, pasta primaveras and pasta with tomato sauce and, and eggplant dishes and pestos with no cheese, things that are really familiar and easy. Again, Mexican cuisine with all of the rice and beans and, and beautiful produce there. Indian cuisine is again, very, very easy. And I know London is basically the capital of India food, <laughs> Indian food. Um, uh, again, like Greek food, we were talking about falafel earlier. So finding those foods that just are easy to transition with, um, that way, you know, you're not overwhelmed and you still feel like you're eating familiar food and then to incorporate just more fruits and vegetables. So instead of like grabbing a bar, um, you know, when you're running out the door, grab an orange, grab an apple grab some celery sticks and hummus, so like just sub out those, those quick and easy things for other plant-based quick and easy things. Yeah, that's really good. It's actually cheaper as well. I think everyone- Way cheaper. Everyone thinks being vegan is so expensive, but plants are really cheap. <laughs> They're so cheap. It's crazy. It's really good. But that's really good tips just to kind of grab an orange. I think people overcomplicate things. They're like- Way overcomplicated. Way overcomplicated. It's, it's crazy. I do think that it's, it's, yeah, it's gone too far the other way. But what do you see? I mean, you've experienced plant-based all over the world. What do you think is the future of plant-based diets and lifestyles? Normalizing eating vegetables and fruits and grains and nuts. And just, um, I think it's already happening. I mean, you're seeing trends all over the world. I think the fastest growing vegan population is in Israel right now. Um, followed by a close second with Germany. Everyone always thinks it's the US. I think the US is number three or four on the list. Um, so you're seeing these pockets of places all over the world already where people are just saying like, enough, enough. I wanna feel better. I don't wanna be overweight. I don't wanna be sick. I don't want to torture animals. I don't wanna ruin the environment. So that all leads to a plant-based diet. And so it's responsibility of chefs like myself to provide really amazing food for people to, to enjoy so that they can have that lifestyle and not feel like they're missing out on anything. It's why I focus on hotels and resorts because as myself, as a vegan going, trying to go on vacation is like next to impossible. Even now, like my birthday's coming up and I wanna treat myself and I wanna go to a hotel that I don't work with so that I can truly have a vacation. It's so hard to find a, a hotel to go to that has more than one vegan option because they all say, oh, yeah, we've got a vegan option for you. But if I'm going to stay in your hotel for four or five days, I don't want just one option. I want many options. And so that's why I got into the resort industry, because I love providing these places where these families with kids with dietary restrictions, with allergies, or people that are plant-based can come and enjoy and feel normal and not feel like they have to be accommodated for or anything like that. So that's why it's so important to me. And I really think that the more that we do it, the more that we talk about it, the more, I mean, um, right before lockdown happened, the last speaking engagement I did was at the Forbes luxury five-star summit. And it was a collection of all of the five-star hotels all over the world. And I gave this speech about if you don't have a multitude of plant-based and allergen-friendly foods on your menu, you are leaving money on the table because people are going to go where they can be accommodated. In the United States, one in four people is affected by 
um, food allergies. And if they feel like they can't eat safely in your restaurant at your property, you're losing them as a customer. And in order to capture that, these, that's why these programs have been so successful. That's why the Four Seasons in Putumita went from having maybe like 30 options to over 200 within a couple of years, because this is what people are asking for. And so we just have to provide. And so as, as the industry evolves and as we come out of this and people are looking to be healthier, I think that it's just naturally going to happen. I don't think we need to force anything because it's just, it's here, it's happening. It's not like when I was seven years old and went plant-based, there were no vegan restaurants. There was no vegan aisle in the grocery store. There was no vegan milk. There was rice milk that came as a powder that I had to stir into water. That was the most disgusting thing on earth, but my mother made me drink it because she thought I needed milk in my diet. Um, and it's, unreal how fast it's changed and grown. Everything is being normalized now. You know, even, I mean, with all of the fast food chains, McDonald's, Burger King, Carl's Jr. talk about all having vegan options now. That says so much in itself. I mean, that's really insane that we've watched that in our, in our lifetimes happen. I, I, I pinch myself every single day that I can't believe that I get to live in a world that is as accommodating as it is today. I Meaning the United States non-dairy milk sales outsell dairy sales. That's crazy. That's so exciting. I mean, what an amazing, exciting time to be a vegan. Um, so yeah, I just look forward to seeing what continues to be done in the space and in the world. And I can't wait for all those factory farms to be converted into plant farms and, um, you know, to really see a big shift in the world. It's going to happen. It's coming. It's coming. It's already happening. It's so exciting to hear because I feel like you're really great at building community as well around people working in this space. For someone that's coming in and maybe wants to set up a food business or work in the vegan chefing space, do you have any tips on those wanting to push through the barriers um, in restaurants that don't currently offer vegan options? Um, yeah, well, find yourself a good mentor. I'm a big believer in mentors, um, whether they're in the vegan space or not, whether in the food space or not. I, I just believe in having mentors is so, so, so important. Um, and then aside from that, I mean, if you wanna get into the vegan food world, all you have to do is start today just start training. I mean, the internet is such a beautiful thing. I mean, I don't even know why people go to college and university anymore because there's so much more information than what they can give you online. Um, and you know, with YouTube, you can basically go, you know, just type in anything and you can learn how to cook anything right there with a private instructor in your home. So don't feel restricted that you need to get this training or you need to do this. So there's all these things in your roadblocks in your way of starting you can start today. That's it. Just one step today to do it. And then if you were, if you're a chef and you work at a non-vegan restaurant, encouraging that owner or the head chef to, to do some plant-based food and to, to convince them through dishes. So present them with ideas and dishes and say like, this is an idea I have for dish. What do you think? It's also plant-based and gluten-free and nut-free or something like that. And so you can convince them that you can appeal to so many diners with this option that it'd be silly not to have it on the menu. 
Amazing. I think that it will be incredible. I think lots of people will be in touch with you asking for lots of advice because you've kind of broken through a lot of barriers, Leslie, which is brilliant. Aww. Um, you know, just doing what you love is so important and, and finding that one thing that you're passionate about and really making it your, your, your flag in the sand, so to speak. And I know that this has been my passion and this is what I'm most excited about. So if I, I can help in any way, I'm glad to. Amazing. You can so tell the passion just comes through and um, it's very inspiring. Can you oh. tell us what project you're working on um, at the moment and what's in the future for Leslie Durso? Yeah, um, I'm so excited to be working again. I've been shooting a show out of my kitchen, a cooking show. Um, that is sponsored by FAIR, the Food Allergy Research and Education Foundation. And so you can find the show on their website, links to it in my Instagram, on my Facebook. Uh, and it's been great. It's been so fun. I never thought a show that I shot in my house with one, one crew member could have a half a million views online, but it, it does. Actually, the whole show series has over a million. Um, so that's so exciting. Uh, we're, we're about to start season two. And we're actually doing a really fun special series called The Substitutes, which I'm super excited about. It's basically how to substitute all of the things in your life. So you have your family recipe with, that has a dairy product in it. And I'm gonna break it down for you and tell you exactly the difference between all of the different non-dairy milks, what's gonna be best for what recipes, how to make homemade dairy milks, all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm super excited about that series. Again, if you follow me on social media, you can find all of that information there. And then I'm excited to start more hotel projects. Um, I just launched the, the Sundance Resort here in Utah, which is a beautiful ski mountain resort owned by the actor Robert Redford. And I'm thrilled to be working with them. Um, I'm about to do another secret project at another location in Mexico. And hopefully once the borders open up, I'll be able to get back to, to Europe and start doing some more work I had intended to over there. And if anybody owns a hotel out there, call me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm so excited and I cannot wait to come and try in Mexico as well. I think I'm, I heard something about a chocolate cake with a cream cheese frosting. I think that might have been oh, on my, my, my signature chocolate cake is on all of my menus. Everywhere I go, there is my chocolate gluten-free cake. There's a version of it at all of my restaurants because who doesn't love decadent, moist, amazing chocolate cake? And people are always blown away that it's vegan and that it's gluten-free because it's so rich and decadent. So um, you can have that at any of my properties. Uh, this interview has been absolute torture. It's making me starving. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, one of these days, maybe when we can be in person again, we'll do another interview. I'll cook, I'll cook a meal for you and uh, we can have a conversation over a meal. That would be incredible. Um, I've just got a quick fire round at the end. So yeah. I've just got a last few questions. Um, are you ready? <laughs> I think so. I think so. So what is one thing that everyone can do today for their health? Um, eat a plant-based meal. Amazing. Uh, what is one tip you can give to those wanting to find purpose in their work? Oh gosh, these are not really rapid fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, no. I would. Okay. So the, the shortest answer I can give is to really look inside yourself and what are you passionate about and identifying that and seeing how you can bring that into your work that you're already doing or how you can develop that into a career. Amazing. You have 10 minutes. What is your go-to recipe? In 10 minutes? Ooh, um, I can make a pasta in 10 minutes and I can make a sauce while I'm waiting for that water to boil. No problem. And true Italian. And um, what is your favorite song to dance around the kitchen to? Oh my gosh. If you know me, you know I always have music on in the kitchen and I'm always dancing. Um, this morning when I was making my breakfast, it was um, Golden by Harry Styles because it's such a happy song. Uh, but I, I, I love happy songs, especially in the morning when I'm doing my smoothies in the morning. It always has to be something fun and peppy that I'm dancing around to. I love that. You need to make a Spotify playlist. Or do you have a Spotify playlist? I don't, but that's a great idea. Oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'll follow it. I'll follow it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And um, where can people find out more about your work, your website, social media? Where can people find you? Yeah, I mean, everything is just Leslie Durso because I'm not very creative. <laughs> My website is lesliederso.com. My Instagram, I share recipes every single week on my Instagram. That's just at Leslie Durso. We spoke, I'm, I'm new to Clubhouse and I'm loving it and I'm doing, that's a great place to connect. Um, I'm doing all sorts of different seminars. I'm going to start a series on there called um, Digital Iron Chef. And I'm going to have people come on. Anybody can come on, raise their hand, tell me the ingredients that are in their kitchen. I'll tell you what to make with them. Uh, so I'm really excited to get that. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, so definitely find me on Clubhouse if you're on it. Uh, Facebook. I mean, I post on everything, Twitter, everything. And it's all just less than yourself. Amazing. Oh, today has been such a pleasure. And you've given some real, real gems, some amazing tips. And I'm so, so excited to follow your future and come and try out your delicious food. Thank you. Well, I look forward to welcoming you to my table and connecting uh, digitally and someday in person. Amazing. Thanks so much, Leslie. Thank you.